0: Good morning everyone. My name is Kevin Bates and I'm the lead pastor for Resonate Christian Church. Wherever you are at today, whether you are able to take this in right now at 10 o'clock or maybe a little bit later in the afternoon or just able to catch bits and pieces throughout your week, we want to let you know that we love you, we care about you, and we want to know about you. If you have any prayer requests or concerns or anything that you want to share with us, go ahead and contact us through our social media platforms or directly message us through our website, through our email, and you can get a hold of us. And we desire to connect with you and know your story. And so today we are going to continue the book of James. And if you want to pull out your Bible and also pull out some communion elements today, If you have some bread or if you have some juice or wine, we want you to grab those right now. Um, I'm going to do a small introduction so you can raise your volume on your device and go grab those and prepare for communion at the end of our sermon time. Every week we are going to do this broadcast at 10 o'clock. We also have our 9.30 kids program and also our 9.30 coffee time if you want to join uh, either of those or have your kids join the uh, kids program, rather, uh, go ahead and contact Bethany Flug for our kids program and, Be- and Becky Elliott for our coffee time. And if you want to come to our gathering, go ahead and contact Becky Elliott for that, uh, for that registration because we have to have everyone sign up for coming uh, at our 10 o'clock gathering. So if you want to come... Go ahead and just uh, tell her via text or via message that you desire to show up in person. All right, this is our Christ candle, and this represents Jesus with us. And I know that this is a very dark time. There's a lot of emotions that are down and maybe into even depression during this time. Whether it be depression over the state of our nation or just your personal finances or personal struggles or crises that you're going through in your life. It's just a time of of darkness. And all through this time, I have lit this candle representing that the light of Christ, no matter what, is shining bright in your life. That the light of Christ is in you, even when you do feel dark. Even when you don't sense that Jesus is there, Jesus is there. And so as I light this candle, that represents the light of Christ um, in the darkness that Jesus is, is with us. We are a community, Resonate is a community that loves like Jesus. And that love of Christ we desire to give to the world. And we know that that love can grow through when we Uh, when we grow these values in our life, daily devotion, prayer, freedom from strongholds, serving the community, sacrificial generosity, uh, sharing and knowing each other's stories, and celebration. When we cultivate those values in our life, we know that we can uh, strongly share the love of Christ with others because the love of Christ grows inside of our hearts. Today we are in James chapter 2. And we're going to start and pick it up in verse 15. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit because the first 14 verses of chapter 2 actually is about not showing bias and not showing prejudice and, and having equality, which we spent a lot of time uh, in the first handful of weeks on race reconciliation, racial reconciliation, A handful of of weeks ago, and so if you want to know more about racial reconciliation, go ahead and pick up those broadcasts that are that are on our YouTube channel. One thing that I want to just emphasize is we can never, when it comes to James, we can never lose sight that our our faith is not mature without the good deeds. Our faith is not growing without work and we can never lose sight that that we can we can work without faith but we can't have faith without work you can do all that you want and do lots of good things without faith in Jesus but faith in Jesus requires and there's a there's a outflow a byproduct of faith and that is the good deed Now, faith is a sensitive subject in the Bible because so many people, of course, it's a central theme of of Christianity. Faith has been debated for centuries and centuries now, and there's a lot of misunderstanding when it comes to the idea of faith. Some people think that it's just a mental assent. Some people think it's just a declaration or words that you say or an idea that you believe or a concept that you embrace. Yet faith is more holistic than that. Faith is a mental understanding, but faith also then just permeates our entire life. It, it's the, the whole person. So faith is not just an idea. Faith is a lifestyle. It's a being. It's a human being lifestyle. So we know from scripture this, some simple ideas when it comes to faith, that a sinner, quote, sinner, is saved by their faith. In Ephesians 2, it says you are saved by God's grace because of your faith. This salvation is God's gift. It's not something you possessed, it's not something that you did that that you did that you can be proud of. There's nothing to boast about this kind of of faith, it's because it's God's work, it's God's grace and by your faith you are you are saved. The believer, then, we see in 2 Corinthians 5, the believer, then, walks by faith. We live by faith and not by sight, or other translations say we walk by faith and not by sight. What that means is that the hands and the feet of what we do, say, don't do, don't say, walk, don't walk, touch, not touch, participate in, not participate in, that's a reflection of our of our faith. So the idea that we walk by faith and not by sight, we sometimes will involve ourselves in things that we might not even see, we might not even, you know, we might not avoid, and, and we walk into those even risky times by, by faith. In Hebrews 11, it says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So you see, it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that there is a God, and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So it's impossible to do pleasing things to God without, without faith. So can you do good things? Can you love people? Yes, without faith you can love people. You can do, uh, you can do lots of good deeds Yet this idea of pleasing God has more to do with the glory of God, that we lift up and praise God or we please God with a sense of spirit and a sense of wholeness. I believe that the Bible is very clear that with our faith, that is the time that we, quote, please God. And whenever we do anything apart from faith, we see in Romans 14 that that is considered That is considered sin. But if people have doubts about whether they should eat something, they shouldn't eat something, they would be condemned for not acting in faith before God. If you do anything you believe is not right, you are are sinning. So that gives the illusion that the things that we participate in matter to God that our faith is not just some mental idea, that our actions matter. And that's going into James using Romans 14, that our actions do matter, that we just cruise right into James chapter two, and that we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to talk about several different types of faith. And there's true faith and cheap, cheap faith. And there's dead faith and demonic type, uh, demonic faith. And so, in James chapter 2, starting in verse 14, it says this, when it comes to the ideas of faith, there is such a thing as dead faith. And in verse 14, it says, my brothers and sisters, what good is it if people say they have faith but do nothing to show it? Claiming to have faith can't save anyone, can it? He asked the question. Imagine a brother or sister who is naked and never has enough food to eat. What if one of you said, go in peace, stay warm, have a nice meal? And that's like, the, that's like the pleasantry, hello, goodbye, right? What good is it if you don't actually give them what their body needs? In the same way, faith is dead when it doesn't result in faithful activity. Faith without works is dead, just, just being by, it, by itself. So, this section of scripture harkens back to some of the ideas that we were talking about when it comes to not showing favoritism or not showing bias. James is continuing that thought leading into dealing with a community. Basically, James is dealing with a community that has a failure in showing respect to the poor, and this demonstrates a lack of practical faith. Uh, It's very easy to not have uh, respect for the poor in, in an entitled, very privileged life that w- some of us may, may live. It's very easy to turn the head or turn the blind eye away from, from people in need. Uh, and to just declare that that person, if only they would get a job, or if only they would pick themselves up by their own bootstraps. And he's, and he's basically bringing emphasis to the fact that no matter your opinion of why they're in the situation that they're in, they're still hungry, uh, they still have needs, and how can we participate in the holy deed of taking care of practical needs for people that are, that are poor? So I have to ask the question at this point, uh, because we we are a church that's very active with the poor. Uh, We are a church that's very tangibly giving and tangibly generous, and I'm so proud of our church for that, tangibly generous uh, with, with the poor. So I am in the midst of a church like that that's very that's very active. I've been a part of churches in my past ministries, and not not all of them, but some of them really don't have an active presence with with the poor. And so our faith um, in those situations is just defined by our words. It's just defined with a mouth of words. Uh, And according to James, our faith is is incomplete at that point. It's basically, he calls it dead, that our faith cannot just be an idea of correct doctrine. Our faith is the idea of practice, the idea of practice. That a faith that might be correct doctrine in a mouthful of words, if it's not in practice and there's not a practicality to it, then it's really not the faith that Jesus desires for us to have. So in verse 14, he says, My brothers and sisters, he, he basically calls them an affectionate name that they're a part of the community because he's about ready to slam them with this question What good is it if people say they have faith but do nothing to show it? Claiming to have faith can't save anyone, can it? So. A question arises also with our practical faith and just a story in, in story form. You all have the story maybe of walking along the road and somebody asks you for a dollar and you don't know whether or not to give that dollar. That is difficult because we have a society, a systemic problem of, of poverty and a system of poverty in our in our nation really but in our communities that we don't have necessarily correct resources and uh, places to direct some of the poor and the and the houseless in our community there's this challenges that layer upon layer upon layer upon layer <clears throat> is a is a challenge when it comes to the poor in our in our community so when somebody asks you for a dollar or can you spare some some change, all of those thoughts and opinions and politics and ideas and ends, all those words that you've heard before, and you know, maybe even some, some old jokes that, that you have in your, your head race through your head of whether or not to give this person a dollar. Uh, this happened to me just the other day, just transparent, as a young man that's been homeless since he was 15, basically has asked me for nothing, has asked me for very little, just shared a little bit of his, his story. And then of course, you know, my mind clicks and says, well, what are you going to ask me for something, right? But he never did. And I was, I was shocked, you know, that he, he just, he did not ask me for anything. Um, when we're faced with, Somebody that maybe looks a certain way or is acting a certain way, and they're asking for a handful of dollars. One of the questions that races through our heads, um, coming from you know a privileged position and, and a and a haves position, right, versus the haves nots position and the underprivileged position, is what are you going to use the money for? So we want this like. We want this give and take. We've all heard this quid pro quo statement in our recent history. Um, the quid pro quo is the give and the, the take. And so if I give you a, a dollar, what are you actually gonna do with it? And, and I need to be in control of what you do with that, with that dollar. I think sometimes we just need to engage our, our hearts and our spirit and be motivated with positive intent. That if somebody asks us for something and we give it to them, that we need to have positive, positive intent. And that's your own conviction of how you participate in certain giving or generosity or who you give dollars to because some of the biggest uh, nonprofit corporations with all the biggest accountability has taken some of our money and squandered it away um, on illegal activity and uh, possibly drugs. So, (laughs) you know, when I think about like what somebody does with my five bucks, um, some of our biggest nonprofits have been caught doing pretty evil things with our five dollars. So we need to just, through our own conviction, engage in in whatever generosity we want to engage and not judge others for their conviction of what they are participating participating in. This young man uh, didn't ask me for anything and I prepared him a meal at the store and <clears throat> and I just gave him a meal and he was so appreciative of just a meal because he hadn't eaten that day and he's out of food stamps and so I just said, hey, you know, come to the store every day and get a meal. You know, I—I I mean, it's not—it's <clears throat> not that much money for us, and so we um, are providing, you know, this person just a handful of meals. Maybe you can do something um, the same—that you're not just handing somebody something uh, that is, you know, that you feel uh, insecure about. Maybe you can hand them a meal. So what James is talking about here is. Uh, basically, that kind of faith needs, our, kind, our faith needs to be played out in that kind of action, some kind of action. So what is your action? And that's the question, that's the conviction that we all need to ask and answer, is what is our action? How is our faith, and what is our calling in that, in that faith? little scholarly-ness right here. If you look at faith, it doesn't show itself by good deeds. This idea of good works or good deeds, or some people call it the holy deed. This word is the Greek word ergon. And it's where we get the term ergonomics from. Ergon is the good deed. And it's the natural work of the body. It's not the unnatural work of the body. It's the natural work of of the body. And so maybe maybe you can look at it as, as yes, some things might be risky, some things might be scary to you, but to give to the poor needs to be and ought to be a natural act for human beings. And unfortunately, we possibly live in a culture where it's become an unnatural act and we need to get back to that natural act. So the Aragon is the natural act of the body. It's like the heart pumps and the, and the lungs breathe and, and this is all taking energy uh, from our body and the Aragon says this is what we do naturally. So giving to the poor needs to be a natural response of of the body, some people think that Paul and James disagree when it comes to good deeds because Paul is like the big faith—you know, no, no works, no deeds. It's it's faith and faith alone. And then, okay, what do we do with these James uh, verses? Well, when Paul uses the idea of faith, like in Romans or in other scriptures, other books that he has written, he's actually using a broader term called ergon nomos. And Aragon nomos is the idea that our faith is connected to the works of Jewish law. And so it kind of makes sense if you've read a lot of Paul's writings that he's always, 99% of the time, he's focused on the Jewish law versus the grace of Jesus and so that is his dynamic that he is dealing with because he is a Jewish the rabbi of Rabbi like he's like the teacher of teachers right he's the he's the big time Jewish leader that becomes a Christian and so his 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 thought pattern and his dynamic is breaking away from this Jewish rites, rituals-type, works-based, climb-the-ladder type of faith. That's the ergon noma. So in Romans 3, for no one can be made right in God's sight by doing what the law commands. For the more we know God's law, the clearer it becomes that we aren't obeying it. Or Galatians 3 says, let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by keeping the law? Of course not. For the Holy Spirit came upon you only after you believed the message you heard about Christ. So, <clears throat> when when you start reading some of these verses, it seems like that's a contradiction. Yet, you have to understand Jewish culture also is they were not taking care of the poor, even in their own people uh, and their own their own group, and so. So the Aragon nomos is keeping the law and a faith that's married to keeping the law, the Jewish law, that is, that is not uh, the faith that Jesus uh, wants us to have. <clears throat> the faith that Jesus wants us to have is the Aragon pistis. And pistis means faith, faith work. So we have faith in Jesus and we have this natural work that comes out of us just being a human being. And being a human being, there's a natural response. Again, unfortunately, that's not necessarily natural for our culture. We have a lot of judgment when it comes to, like, let's say, feeding the poor or taking care of those that are in need or houseless or whatever. But James is pretty clear that we need to have a natural outpouring of deed when it comes to our faith. I'm so glad that Home PDX, which is going on today and John Anderberg leads our Home PDX ministries, and, and maybe you have participated in Home PDX by bringing food or giving donation or however you have participated in Home PDX. Home PDX, for those of you who do not know, is a houseless ministry that we participate in that uh, Pastor Bruce, a friend of ours, leads, and he oversees, you know, literally will, will feed a couple hundred meals on a Sunday afternoon for lunchtime and they get together and he has, he has a way of ministering to the houseless and the, and the ones that are in need um, in the, in this Home PDX group. And so we participate. What's really, what's, what's good and disheartening at the same time is we are the last group that is providing a hot meal that is home prepared in all of Portland. We are the last group that's, that's providing a hot meal uh, that's prepared in all of Portland. So as we've gone through COVID and the pandemic, the needs have increased. They haven't decreased. And a lot of groups have just taken time off or, or literally just stopped their participation with some of the um, some of the uh, the groups in in the Portland metro area, where people are just not being fed uh, hot meals, and they're not they're literally some people are just not being not being fed. And so when I heard that, I was like, wow, that is, I'm really proud of our church that we have just continued, and that's a calling and a responsibility that we need to carry that torch and help others to, to carry it as well, um, and encourage people to participate in, in Home PDX or other groups with the Aragon Pistis, the faith, the natural work that comes from, from faith. In James 2.18, then he talks about the demonic faith. And someone might claim in 18, you have faith and I have action. But how can I see your faith apart from your actions? Instead, I'll show you my faith by putting it into practice in faithful action. It's good that you believe that God is one. Ha, even the demons believe this and they tremble in fear. Even the demons believe and they, they shudder. So this is another example of dead faith that James brings up, that faith without actions, well, even the demons believe that and they tremble in in fear. Well, this this is a powerful way of basically telling us that demons have some sort of belief, that the evil spiritual realm uh, the evil spiritual realm that's talked about, and and maybe you have your opinions on what that is, but that realm, even that realm, has some sort of belief. And so faith, what James is saying, is faith goes beyond a simple belief. Faith goes beyond, and sometimes, sometimes that's where our faith goes. Sometimes I'm so traumatized in crisis that my faith goes to maybe a simple belief for a season. Yet, our lives need to speak not just a simple belief that our heart is motivated towards mercy. Our heart is motivated towards empathy. Our heart is motivated towards compassion. And so he's actually proceeding with ba- basically with a fake argument, with an imaginary component that you can't set faith and works against each other. It's not like this battling two sides of of the aisle argument, and so so basically what James is doing is he's setting us up to, to really embrace this notion that when you separate faith and works, there's a spiritual insecurity. When you separate faith and works, there's a spiritual reality that is at risk. And he says, even the demons believe and, and shudder. And so your conclusion to that needs to be that, that, that our faith needs to be motivated towards some kind of, some kind of holy deed. In Mark 3, and whenever they, those possessed by evil spirits caught sight of him, they would fall down in front of him, shrieking, you are the son of God. Excuse me, hold on you are the son of God, but Jesus strictly warned them not to say who he was. In Luke 8, it says the demons kept begging Jesus not to send them into the bottomless pit. Mark, Jesus healed the demon possessed man. The demons believe that Jesus is the judge. So all through scripture, we see right there in those handful of scriptures that That this spiritual realm also has a confidence that God exists, that Jesus is the Son of God. And so even the demons believe and and shudder. And so faith cannot be surrendered to works, and works can't be surrendered to faith. You can't have this, this separation on two sides of the aisle arguing that one is more important than the other or one takes precedent. Over the other, the one is a byproduct of of the other, and so faith without deeds basically fails to accomplish what Jesus wanted to us wanted us to accomplish. That we treat each other with love and respect. We treat each other with equality and equity. We reach into those that are that are in need of 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 you know shelter over their head and and food for their bodies and clothing when they don't have clothing. And so when we look into someone's lives, we look at their needs, and we as the church Jesus followers, we then have that natural response of, I'm going to participate in your life and help you rise in your life, just like Jesus helped me to rise as well, So James 2.20 then concludes here that we are to have some sense of dynamic faith in our life, that that's where the spirit is active, that's changed our life to the point that we are wanting to be uh, changed for, for others. And he says, are you slow? <laughs> that's just kind of a striking way to start out a, a verse. Do you need to be shown that faith without actions has no value at all? What about Abraham, our father? Wasn't he shown to be righteous through his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? See, his faith was at work along with his actions. In fact, his faith was made complete by his faithful actions. So the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and God regarded him as righteous. What is more, Abraham was called God's friend. So you see that a person is shown to be righteous through faithful actions and not through faith Alone. In the same way, wasn't Rahab the prostitute shown to be righteous when she received the messengers as her guests and then sent them on by another road? As the lifeless body is dead, so faith without, without actions is, is dead. Basically, this last scripture uh, speaks to me this way. If I could say, I'm going to retranslate this and put it in common language, is... When you say you have faith, when I say I have faith, show me. That, that's basically what it says. Just show me. I, I don't need you to climb some ladder of salvation. I just want you to show me your faith. And I think that that's what James is, is getting at when he asks these derogatory questions that you know, could be answered without being answered. Do you need to be shown that faith without actions has no value? at all. And so faith without actions is just words. So he brings up these two um, Old Testament people, Abraham and Rahab. And of course, Abraham is the story where he picks up and leaves and becomes the father of a nation where he is called uh, to lead a nation of people that's so vast, like basically the stars in the sky. And when he believed that God was one God. Now, before Abraham, there was a lot of poly thinking that there was many gods, right? And so Abraham steps onto the scene and he believes in the one true God, that God is one. And he starts to follow God in his actions, whether it be moving or whether it be setting up camp somewhere else or this idea where he says, your son that you've waited for so long to have, we're going to have you sacrifice this son on an altar. Now, I don't know how many of you have been asked that. I have never been asked to sacrifice my child on the altar. I don't know how I would respond to that. I would probably maybe push back a little bit on God. And so Abraham, of course, maybe with a little bit of pushback and, hey, what do you mean, God? And why don't you clarify what you're saying? He then heads up and and begins this uh, journey to sacrifice. And God then Changes that scene doesn't allow Abraham to sacrifice his son, and then we are we see this uh, we see this reckoned to Abraham as righteousness that is faith and his his deed is reckoned to him as as righteousness, and so his faith is seen in the deed rather, his faith is seen. In the work, rather, so Rahab the same when she when the uh, when they wanted to take over Jericho and they send in spies and the prostitute Rahab a prostitute, Rahab that she basically basically helps the spies and it's reckoned to her as as righteousness. It's reckoned her faith that was expressed in the deed is reckoned to her as as righteousness. Rahab is the prostitute in this example. She was made right with God by her her actions. And what's really interesting about this story is the conclusion to Rahab in Matthew 1.5. You'll see that the Israelite people, uh, they are celebrated, um, basically the genealogy of Jesus is celebrated through the line of what happened here, and so Jesus came out of genealogically out of basically this this story. Um, Rahab is shared in the promise she's shared in the the promise that God makes us right. she was made right. Abraham was made right, and we can be made right before God. when I think about when I think about some of the great ones, this, the greatness that is in people, I think about some, some people out there that paid the ultimate sacrifice with their lives, maybe for their faith, or they just were in, uh, in chains basically their whole life for, for Jesus. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer is, is one of those people where his life spoke lots of grace, in his life spoke lots of faith in action. And if I could be like anybody, I think I'd be like Dietrich Bonhoeffer if God would grace my life enough that I would be like such a person. He says, grace as a doctrine, a principle, and as as a system. It means forgiveness of sins proclaimed as a general truth. The love of God taught as the Christian conception of God. An intellectual assent to the idea is held to be of itself sufficient to secure remission of sins, but cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness of sins without the work, the baptism without the Christian discipline. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, even grace without Jesus himself living and incarnate. But costly grace is, is the kingly rule of Christ for whose sake a man will pluck out his own eye if it causes him to stumble. Such grace is costly because it causes calls him to follow and do the deeds of love. And it is grace because it causes us to follow Jesus Christ. And so with that, I want to just conclude with, with communion and really focus on the question that I asked in the beginning, is how is, our, how is our faith reflected in the deed? And so Jesus sat around the table and he basically said, I'm going to do this great work, the greatest work of, of all, where I'm going I'm to be hung on a cross and I'm going to sacrifice my life for the sake of the whole world. And when he said that, he said, this piece of bread that's in front of you, He said, do this in remembrance of me because this is my body that's going to be sacrificed. And then he looks at this cup and he says, this is my blood. This represents my blood. And he says, do this in remembrance of me. And as you see my ultimate sacrifice for you, go into the world and make disciples of people. Go into their lives and do the good deed and help them to follow Jesus as, as he's basically saying, as you're following me now, help others to follow Jesus as well. And that's my prayer as a church, as, as we are called now, which I'll, I'll coin this, I didn't coin this term, but I'll coin it for us, is we are the scattered church right now. And what we know in all of history, the scattered church is stronger than the gathered church. In all of Christianity, we know that the scattered church is stronger than the gathered church. And when we are scattered, that is the moment to engage doing the goodness and the deed of Christ, showing people love as Christ showed us love because we're in people's lives. We're invested in their worlds. And I pray that prayer that we would be that kind of church right now. And as we take communion, he says, do this in remembrance of me, and give this remembrance to other people as well. Let's take this together. So, Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that Jesus came and died and was sacrificed and resurrected and promised that he would come again. And so, Lord, we live in that promise that Jesus is returning we live in the promise of the hope that he gives that eternity is for us, that we will live with you forever and experience the love of God for eternity for all time. So Lord, help us to share that promise with others in the good deed of maybe supplying a need or giving somebody some food to eat or just helping them to rise in some way in their life and their context. Lord, I pray that we can be a church and continue to be a church, Lord, that our faith, is seen in our actions, as James tells us and commands us to be. So Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.